Now, I'm really going to fill your hearts with Levi reading the scripture, 1 Peter 3, 8 to 17. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. And this is part, part five of uh, Strangers and Aliens. And uh, as Christians, we are strangers and aliens in the world. Uh, this world is not our home. Uh, we're just passing through. And uh, we have a citizenship somewhere else. Our citizenship is in heaven. And uh, so we are strangers and aliens here. And uh, the reason why uh, this uh, popped up in my mind is uh, we were studying the book of First Peter on Wednesday nights. And uh, there was a little phrase in First Peter chapter 2. When they spake evil against you, this is what you will do as Christians. And I thought, well... That's the day and age in which we live today. Um, being a Christian just 20 to 30 years ago when I was younger, uh, it was thought to be quaint. Oh, you really uh, believe in God and you want to live for him? Well, that's kind of nice. Uh, today, to uh, live for, say, I, I want to live for God and I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a born-again Christian, Today, that's considered to be dangerous to society and even harmful to society. That's the day and age in which we live. And uh, so when they speak evil against you, what will you do? And uh, if you're interested, you've got to go and listen to parts one, two, three, and 4. This is part 5. This is the conclusion. And uh, with that said, there will be one more next week as a little bunny trail to this series about the end of 1 Peter chapter 3. The end of 1 Peter chapter 3 is the most difficult and the weirdest passage in the Bible. We're going to speak about it next week. So uh, you go home and read the end of 1 Peter 3 and uh, see how it's weird and uh, go. you come up with what you think is right and then come next week and find out what is really true and what is really right about the scripture. I, I, I say that jokingly. Um, I, I don't know what is, what is truly right about that passage of scripture. 
but I have some ideas, and uh, I think you'll agree with me, and uh, you'll be able to see it there in the Bible for yourself. It, it will be the conclusion to everything we've been talking about. Uh, with that said, if you go to the next slide. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he's wrapping up this section. Uh, people are going to speak evil against you. You're going to be persecuted. So what are, what are the final things that we, I need to say to these Christians in northern Turkey, written by Peter from Rome? And so here he goes. Now the end. This is my translation. Uh, you have the NIV 2011 in your bulletin. Uh, I'm just going to use my translation. You can see how it's different. Mine is very literal. Now the end. The conclusion, finally, all having the same thinking, having sympathy, having brotherly love, having compassion, having lowly thinking or humility. It takes five things. These are five things that need to be present in every Christian. And uh, notice how he puts them. He has a thinking word followed by a feeling word followed by love, followed by a feeling word, thinking. And uh, we call that a chiastic structure. It's meant to emphasize what's in the middle. So feeling, no, thinking, feeling, love, feeling, thinking. So notice the first thinking. Having the same thinking, and then at the end, having lowly thinking. As Christians, we should be pulling in the same direction. We should have some of the same ideas. We should have some of the same ideas about politics and about what our world needs and about what our church should be doing and about uh, how we should be living our lives. Uh, just yesterday I was here uh, at the church and we were working on, uh, actually we were working on finishing the stairs, the carpet on the stairs so I should have been ready for them this morning and not trip. And uh, the three people helping just happened to be all deacons. Brent was here and John was here and Dan was here. I don't know where Jim was. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about a problem in the church. And I said, here's a problem that we've had and... Uh, and uh, this, is, this is something that we're going to have to deal with, and uh, this is what I think. And we were all on the same page. That's exact, yeah, that, that's right. We should do something, and this is what we think we should do. And I thought, how wonderful this is, that we all have the same idea about handling a problem, and it's for the glory of Christ and for the good of the church, and uh, I had a good feeling about it. That's great, that we're all thinking the same way. And that should be the way it is for us as Christians. And so he says, you should have the same kind of thinking. Uh, let's, let's get that together. And then he says, you should have lowly thinking or humility or consider others better than yourselves or think of somebody else first and yourself second. That's how you respond when difficulty comes, people speak evil against you, and you're being persecuted the church starts to think the same way. It has to think the same way. And we have to put others first. And you'll see more of that in the passage. Then it says you have to feel. Having sympathy, 
and having compassion. Uh, Greek word for sympathy is sympathes, from which we get the English word sympathy. I like that. And the Greek word for compassion is usplagnoi, which means good bowels. Good bowels. And I think the idea is, is, is that when you come across a situation, it touches you in here and you feel it deep inside of you. And so that's the word for compassion. So sympathy, I have, I, 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 feel your, I feel your situation and I feel your pain and I'm able to sympathize with you because I realize that's difficult. And compassion is when I look at you and I go, oh, you need help. And I feel, I feel for you, and now I'm going to help you. Christians have to have sympathy and compassion. And when we are mistreated, what should we do? Close the doors, hunker down, get in our, get in our shells so that we can't get hurt, which is what we tend to do, right? If people are hurting you, what do you do? You get in a shell. I can't get hurt anymore. And Peter is saying, you don't get in a shell, you don't close yourself off, you feel. And you feel for others. And guess what? You're going to get hurt. Right? You open yourself up to feel when people are attacking you, and it's going to hurt. But that's when you can really sympathize and feel for others. Finally, having brotherly love. The one in the middle, the strong one. We should love our brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, we have to. And when we're persecuted, we have to love our church brothers and sisters and help them however we can. Let's go to the next slide, Lynn. So there you have it. Thinking, feeling, love, feeling, thinking. Love is in the middle. That's what we really need. Um... I enjoyed uh, the royal wedding yesterday, and uh, I enjoyed the 13-minute sermon preached, preached by the Episcopalian bishop. Now, by the way, it's going to be longer than the 13-minute sermon this morning. <laughs> but the sermon, the sermon was about love and about the power of love and the power of love to change the world. And if we could just harness that, Wow, the world would be a different place and a better place. And uh, that's what we need as a church, to truly love one another and to be concerned about one another and help one another. And if we could harness that energy, not only would our church be a phenomenal place and a better place, but everyone would love to be part of our church. In fact, that's how you reach the world that is persecuting us. Jesus said, in this way, all will, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love your fellow Christian. That's how the world knows that you're a follower of Jesus. When I told, uh, when I told Tim Cressman, uh, pastor at Blue Water, that uh, I was preaching this series, he said, oh, you're going to be preaching about giving blessing when someone is cursing you. And I said, well, not at, not at first I'm not. <laughs> I didn't think I would get this far. 
But that's the first thing that came to his mind, that jumped out at him from what he knew of 1 Peter. That when we are treated wrongly and evil comes against us and people insult us, what does the Christian do? We give back blessing. We give back blessing. You're going to call us names. You're going to make fun of us. Listen, we hope God does wonderful things for you, and we hope God does wonderful things in your life. And we pray for that. That's how we respond. Now, that's not a natural way to respond. When people attack me and say, here's the problem with you, my first response is, well, here's the problem with you. I know I got problems, but let me tell you, you got problems too. (laughs) So you shut up about my problems, and I won't say anything about your problems. That's the first human response, and that's not a Christian response. When people say things about us, and they make fun of us, and they ridicule us, they make us feel small, and they treat us as stupid and backward, what is our response? We pray that God blesses you. Not let me show you how smart I am. It's not a Christian response. Not giving back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, blessing. And then I've got four reasons why we should be blessing. And uh, one of them's right there in verse 9. Well, two of them. Because unto this you were called. Unto this you were called. That was part of the salvation message. Now, I missed that the day I got saved. Nobody told me that when you follow Jesus, you are actually going to be ridiculed and you're going to suffer and you just have to give back blessing and forgiveness. I missed that. I missed that lesson. But, but Peter says that's what you were called to. He called you to follow Jesus, which meant the things that Jesus experienced in his life, you're going to experience in your life. And the way that, the way that Jesus responded to ridicule and mocking and criticism, that's the way you should respond to ridicule, mocking, and criticism. After all, as they nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what you're doing. They don't know what they're doing. When someone's hurting you, your response is, Father, forgive them. Because to this you were called. Secondly, right there at the end of the verse, why give blessing back in order that you may inherit a blessing? We want God to give us blessing. How do I get God to give me blessing? By giving out blessing. Go to the next slide, Lynn. He then quotes from Psalm 34. Uh, This is not just New Testament. This is not just Jesus. This is also the Psalms. David, for the one who desires to love life and see good days, let him stop his tongue from evil and lips to not speak deceit. Next slide, too. Let him turn away from evil and let him do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against the one who does evil. Reason number three why I should bless people is that he says, 
whoever loves life and desires to see good days. If you want to have a good life, bless people. If you want to have a blessed life, bless people. Number four, why should I bless? And because God loves it, and those are the people whose prayers get answered. Notice the, uh, I think it's verse 12 there. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. In other words, God loves what you're doing, and so he keeps his eyes right on you. Oh, beautiful. I'm going to watch Jeremy. (laughs) I like what he's doing. Right? Keep my eyes on him. Notice the end. The face of the Lord is against the one who does evil. I don't want to watch Margaret. (laughs) I'm kidding. I was going to pick on John as the evil, but I pick on John enough. Why will I bless people? God loves it. And he's going to look down from heaven and he's going to say, wow, I love seeing that. I want to see some more of it. Keep doing it. I'm going to keep watching it. (laughs) Beautiful to see. And then as you pray, he's going to go, yes, I'm going to answer those prayers. You're a blessing person. Go to the next slide. Okay, we just talked about that. Four reasons why, why we should bless. Okay, go to the next slide. Verse 14. But, but if also you happen to suffer, and then I put something in brackets, optative, that's for Sam. Uh, that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a Greek word. It's the form of the verb. It's very unusual. I put that in there so Sam would know it's an optative. But if also you happen to suffer, it means it's unlikely, but you know something, when it does, if it happens to happen, right? If you also happen to suffer because of righteousness, blessed ones. That's good. That's good. Um, I forgot to give you my illustration about blessing. Back in the 60s, United States, uh, during the mistreatment of uh, African Americans, uh, Reverend William Jenkins, Mississippi, was working for school integration. And uh, you remember that was a very volatile time in, in American history. And um, some Christians, acting on the basis of their Christian conviction, were defending. African-Americans, and uh, others were attacking them. And uh, teenagers, white teenagers, would, were driving around town, and they were firebombing uh, the homes of African-Americans and uh, breaking their windows and smashing the windows of their cars, just doing everything they could to, to make life difficult, expressing their anger at, over, over the way things were happening. And so uh, one night, uh, Reverend Jenkins uh, had his uh, teenage boys, and uh, they stood out in front of their house, and they were protecting their house and the homes of their neighbors. And uh, as they were standing there, uh, a a car full of white teens came by again. And uh, they drove by, and they were shouting some things, and as they drove by, they happened to run out of gas right in front of Reverend Jenkins' house. And uh, Reverend Jenkins, he picked up a glass bottle and he smashed it. 
And his sons thought, it's on. We're going at it. And he took the glass bottle and he went over and he cut a hose. And he started to siphon gas out of his own car. And he siphoned the gas out of his car and he went and put it in the empty tank of his oppressors. That's the Christian way. That's following Jesus. He's called us to bless and not curse. To be a blessing. But if you happen to suffer because of righteousness, you are blessed ones. And then he writes, the fear of them do not be afraid, neither be troubled. Doesn't make sense in English. The fear of them do not be afraid. And there's two ways to take that. Don't be afraid of what they fear. Or don't be afraid of them. The fear they cause. Now, first of all, we don't fear the same things that the world fears. You read about those fears every day. Afraid of nuclear war. Afraid of earthquakes and volcanoes destroying the world. Afraid of disease that wipes us out. Afraid of a black hole that's swallowing planets and galaxies. Afraid of meteors that are passing too close. You know, go on and on. Right? All the fears of the world. We don't have those fears. We're not afraid of those things. God's taken care of us. We believe that. But I think he's saying, don't be afraid of what they might do to you. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. And it's interesting that in the, in the next verse he's going to say, but be ready to give an answer to them. Be ready to speak for Jesus. And I, I, would, I would surmise that 80% of us are afraid of people to tell them that we're followers of Jesus. I would say most of us are afraid of that. Am I right? That's our fear. Remember my father saying to me just a few years ago, he said, he said one of the things that he regrets in his life is a fear of people, fear of Christians, and fear of unbelievers. He's a great pastor, still pastoring. Afraid of what Christians might say if he said, this is what I think is the truth, and afraid of, of uh, those who don't know the Lord, what they might say. Peter comes right out and says, don't be afraid of them. Now, many of you just told me that you're afraid of them. You're disobeying the Bible. You're disobeying Peter. He says, don't fear them. Let's work on our fears. Right? Those things that you're afraid of, you have to conquer those things. I used to be afraid of flying. And every time I get in an airplane, I say, okay, somebody's engineered this thing. It wants to fly. <laughs> the wings are designed a certain way so that the air is going to go over it and the air is going to suck it up. It doesn't want to fall down. Every time I use my mind to say, you know something, you can't let your emotions run your life. And he says, don't be afraid of them. Let's use our minds 
to overcome our emotions and our fear of people. And not be afraid of saying, you know something, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love them. And guess what? They're going to go, it's a weird person. I knew they were weird. I just didn't know why they were weird. (laughs) What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) But you know something? God has said you're blessed. He loves it. His eyes are on you. He's got your back. Right? Those are the things you've got to think. I, I, I can't be afraid of them. He tells me not to be afraid. If you go to the next slide. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always ready ones with a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope in you. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts instead of fear of people. I am making Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I'm setting him apart as Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I'm more worried about him than I am about you. I'm worried if he's pleased with me rather than you like me. Now it says it says there are always ready ones with a defense. Always ready ones with a reason or with an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope in you. Always ready ones. I hope you're always ready. Peter tells you you should be. Always ready. Uh, When I was in uh, Bible college and uh, studying theology, I worked at the university hospital. And uh, there were times I would work a day shift. And I would work a day shift on, I I think it was Tuesdays. And every Tuesday I'd work a day shift and there was an individual who was working in the kitchen who was a Bachelor of Science major, uh, honors, and he had graduated. And uh, every day he read it for his break, the Scientific American. And uh, every day I was learning Bible verses. And so we would have these little arguments about science and creation every time, every time we worked together. And he would say, he would say, hey, Dave. I read in the Bible, there's all, I read that the Bible has all kinds of creation stories, five creation stories. What do you think about that? And I would say, well, this is what I think about that. And then I would say, hey, what about those dinosaurs? And we would have these little arguments. And I thought, I've got to defend scientifically the Bible. But the problem is, is science is huge. You can never answer every scientific question. The reason for the hope in me is not because I've figured all the science and I've investigated all the science and this is my answer. The reason for the hope in me is Jesus Christ. That's the reason for the hope in me. God sent his son into the world. He died on the cross for my sins and I've accepted that And now I've given my life to Jesus. And he's alive in heaven and he's at the right hand of God. That's the reason for the hope in me. All of you know that. You know as much as I do when it comes to that. We all need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us. This is why I follow Jesus. Because he did this. And because God says this about him. And because this, this Bible verse tells me this. That's why I've got a hope. 
And let me tell you, we've got hope. Uh, Dallas Johnson um, has cancer. And Dallas has a certain number of days. A year? Five years? Ten years? I don't know. But you know something? It's not tragic. Because Dallas has a hope. And his hope is the best is yet to come. He's got many good days ahead of him. Far more than he's already lived. And that's the Christian message. We've got hope. It doesn't really matter who gets elected the premier of Ontario. Not for us. Oh, the poor people who live on, in Ontario, it matters to them. Not to Christians. We've got a better place. We've got a better future. You can't destroy our future by how much fiscal mismanagement there might be. Our future's secure. We've got hope. The world, there's no hope. I better get back to my notes. <laughs> to go, to go to the next slide. <laughs> we've, talk, we've talked about these. Uh, apology, apologia is uh, the Greek word. It means defense or answer. We get the words apology, apologetics from the word. Apologetics is uh, that branch of theology that defends the faith and explains the faith when people have answers or questions. And uh, then I ask the question, are you ready ones? Are you a ready one? Someone asks you a reason for the hope. Well, here's why I've got hope. You should be able to tell people. This is why I'm not worried about who the, who the uh, Prime Minister of Canada is, is because, hey, I've got a different Lord, and he's a good one. Uh, what is the reason for the hope that is in you? And, of course, it's centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide. Okay, but answer with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. Answer with meekness and fear. Uh, don't be afraid to lose an argument. Um, I love to argue. And sometimes I get trapped in arguments. And even though I know I shouldn't be arguing, I just keep doing it. Because I want to win the argument. Uh, Christians should be prepared to, to lose arguments because we are meek individuals. We don't have to win. I was thinking about uh, someone in the scriptures who embodies this, and uh, I came up with the person of Isaac, one of the patriarchs. And uh, Isaac uh, uh, was living in uh, the land of Canaan, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived there their entire lives, and they always lived in tents. They never owned any property except where they were buried. And uh, the one time Isaac went, and he dug a well. And he dug a well for his flocks. And somebody else came along and said, that's our well. So Isaac moved. And he gave him the well. And he moved all his herds, and he moved all his flocks, and he dug another well. And the same people came and said, that's our well. So Isaac moved <laughs> all of his flocks and all of his herds another distance, and he dug another well. And nobody wanted that well. <laughs> so that was the well that he had. That's meekness. I don't have to win. 
I don't have to win the argument. I can move on. God will win the argument. God's going to look after me. If you go to the next, last slide. So in conclusion, how are we going to be ready? How are we going to... How are we going to be ready with our defense when someone asks for the hope that, was, was, that is in us? Number one, know the facts of the gospel. Know the facts of the gospel. Verbalize why Jesus is your Lord. The facts of the gospel. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He was raised the third day according to the scriptures. The heart of the gospel. And I have given my life to Jesus Christ. And I have depended on him for my salvation, for my sins being forgiven, for my right standing with God. The heart of the gospel. I now follow Jesus Christ. So, when people speak evil against you, and they will. Let's be ready with our defense. And the defense is not to attack. The defense is to bless. And to say, here's our reason. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of all, especially those who believe. That's our hope, and that's the hope for you.